unscripted, unbound, unconditional. Welcome to The Well Unfiltered. I'm Mindy. I'm Nicole. And we are the hosts of The Well Unfiltered Podcast. Where each episode you'll hear unscripted faith stories that will make you think. Unbound life lessons that will crack you up. I'm talking adjust your waistband laughter. But most of all, unconditional grace and love that will help you connect to God and to other women. Welcome to The Well Unfiltered. Well, hey, everyone. Welcome back to The Well Unfiltered. My name is Mindy. I'm Nicole. And we are talking about relationships. And today, we're talking about marriage. <laughs> I know. You, we needed a sound effect there. We did. We, I was going to try to do the Princess Bride thing. It's just like not funny when I do it, I so you. I'm not going to do it. But you all maybe know the reference that I'm talking about. But we're talking about marriage. And whether you are married or thinking about getting married or know someone who's married, we hope that today's conversation will shed some light on our own marriages and maybe how these relationships can be a good model of how God hopes that we relate to each other. Yeah. But before we dive in, we want to remind you to connect with us on social media, mm-hmm. on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, all the things. All Come the find things. Us. We'd love to hear from you. You could even on Facebook post a picture of you and your partner if you are yes. married. That'd be fun. That would be fun. We yeah. want to see it. Especially if you got married a long time ago. Those like old what a, I love it looks them. so much nicer. But honestly, even like my own <laughs> wedding photos, I'm like, wow, that was quite a ball gown that you wore. <laughs> yes, it was a very large skirt. So it's memories, all of it. It's great. <laughs> so today we wanted to start off by telling you a little bit about our own marriages, mm. our own stories. Um, so Nicole, why don't you tell us, how did you and Javon meet? What? Okay, let's start there. How'd you meet? How'd you get from we are meeting to marriage? We are married. Yes. Okay. So I know that we have plans to potentially do a bonus episode with our partners. And my poor introverted husband is like, why? (laughs) What did you sign me up for? But it's going to be great. So I preface this by saying that this is the truth. There might be an alternate version that but Javon what you're sharing hears. here. No, not while I'm here. This is the this truth. This is the truth he, right now. Yes. Okay. Whatever okay. he may add to this, it's lies. Mm-hmm. Okay. Got it. So we met in grade school. Um, he was in my older sister's class. He's uh, almost four years older than me. I He's had older. A, yes. <laughs> I had a crush on him. And he, like, makes up all of these ridiculous claims that I was like, some Jezebel, like, going after him in fourth grade. No, I was a sweet, loving Christian girl mm. who liked him, but wasn't You're like, this. And yes, I mean, this is who I am. And so um, it, it is interesting, though, that I went to all-girls school the next year. I don't know what, if are there's are these yes. things related? I we don't may know. never know. But then we never saw each other because he then went to high school. He went to all-boys school, so maybe that's a judgment on him mm-hmm. as well. And then we reconnected my senior year of college. I was applying to Princeton for seminary. And I had put online, like, oh, 
Because it was at that time where you felt like you need, everyone was interested in what you were doing all the time. <laughs> and mm-hmm. apparently at least one person was Javon Caldwell-Gross. Because I put on there, like, oh, headed to Princeton. What is up with there? I'm really bad at public transportation. Grew up in the Midwest. The East Coast still, like, is profound to yes. me with its public transportation systems. And so I was talking about how I didn't know how to get from here to there. And he responded inappropriately first it was like nice dress it's like that wasn't the question <laughs> like and then coincidentally um he's like oh i go to princeton and i can meet you at the train station so that i can then show you how to get to campus now i had not spoken to him since i was in fourth grade and so i get off the train station he's there um they call it the dinky. It's like this really small train that just goes to <laughs> Princeton. It's very, it sounds Harry Potter-esque. It is. It is. Um, and then I go into the like orientation weekend and he's at all the events, even though he is a student. So he's, he's lurking. <laughs> yes. I mean, I'm going to just He attended opening this. worship. I mean, I thought like, <laughs> oh, maybe he's, because there were some students that were like, like student guides. And I thought maybe he was one of them. He was not. Lurking. And he was absolutely mm-hmm. lurking. And that lurking led to some of the most transparent conversations I think I've ever had in my life. To the point that I called my brother the second day I met him and was like, do you remember Javon Caldwell Gross from middle school? Like, I, I don't know. I feel like... This could be like someone I could marry. And typical Michael Tuma, my brother was like, Nicole, calm down. <laughs> just calm down. Calm down. And just like be present. And I was like, okay, I'm just gonna be present. And I didn't know, but Javon was making the phone call, the same phone call to his best friend Makayla and was saying, Do you remember Nicole Tuma? Like, I I don't he says that he said, I think I've like met my wife. And so, like, from that weekend I'm on, having all the feels. Like, seriously, here. like, it just was like, I, I, there's, there really is before I met him and after I met him. And I think I, you know, we talked about boundaries. I set this boundary that I wasn't going to have any serious relationships my senior year of college because I was like, I just need to invest in my most important relationship. I probably was reading Eat, Pray, Love or something, mm-hmm. like, in myself and travel, and my, the real love of my life, Jesus. <laughs> and so, yes, I was one of those people. Thank God for growth. <laughs> and so it was like, this was the turning point for me. And then I want to hear, hopefully, about a much healthier way of meeting your future spouse. Javon put on Facebook that he was in a relationship. And I was like, you know, this is why I just need to be with Jesus. You were, because, like, trying to really intellectualize mm, it. Like, but you were devastated. <laughs> I was. I was. And I was like, so who are you in a relationship with? He's like, I'm in a relationship with you. Like, I want to be with you. So that's why I'm changing my relationship status. So I was like, well, I'm not Because re- I had set these boundaries. Like, we need to be friends for this amount of time. Mm. He's like, no, this is, no, we are in a relationship. So when you're ready to digitally claim me, I'm, I'm right here, but I've already claimed you. And so then I was like, oh, I mean, I don't or whatever. I, yes, oh yes. I want to be in a relationship. I just didn't want to say it out loud. Just so, right now. Oh, yes. I can't wait to tell you <laughs> Zach and I's story. So let's hear about it. Because we have some things in common. We have very different stories, but okay. at our core, we are we are soul friends. Is what I need to tell you. I want to oh hear about this soul friend. Okay. So I met because I am such a 
product of the evangelical church. <laughs> I met my husband at church camp. Oh, yes. In high I love school. It. <laughs> and we had went to the same high school, um, but it was a big school, and he was an athlete, and I was not that. Um, I was in show <laughs> choir and drama. And I so love it. <laughs> we are like circles never crossed. He's a grade younger than me. So, like, there's just no reason to meet. Um, and so we go on this church camp, and on our way down to this, like, college in Tennessee where the camp was, we stopped at the Opryland Hotel mm-hmm. outside of Nashville, mm-hmm. and there was, like, a bar where music was playing, but we're teenagers, so we could sit outside the bar gotcha. and feel really cool to be adjacent to the bar, but not actually <laughs> in the bar. So we're sitting there, and we're talking, and, like, he was cool. It was great. And he said that that night, he was like, I just thought, she's so pretty. I just hope I get to keep talking to her on this trip. And I was like, that is so sweet. I know. So we, you know, we go through church camp. And Uh my roommate at church camp was like, you cannot date him. He does not come to church enough. I don't even know if he is saved. I mean, she was like, try to talk me out of it. Like, he is not Christian enough for you. Well, he wasn't coming to church because he played travel baseball. Hmm. Okay, so he was saved. I I gotcha. (laughs) And so, you know, we hang out. We, like, sit next to each other at communion on the next night. Can, are you cringing? This. No, I I'm actually here for all of it. All of <laughs> Sat it. Sat next to each other for communion on last night. And then we're driving back to Indianapolis. And because we're in the evangelical church, there's no purple. So it was like a sleeping bus ride. We we're going to drive all the way through. So girls had to be on one bus. Boys had to be on the other. It's like, oh, my gosh. Like, we can't ride the same bus together. But we stopped at a rest stop in Kentucky. And... S- <laughs> <laughs> I can't even tell the story that's true, but it's all Because, you know, all romantic things happen in Kentucky. So I, I'm <laughs> on my edge of my station. seat. Yes. <laughs> and we sat on the floor in the snack aisle and held hands. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. That is love. Yes, it was love. <laughs> but here's why I say that we are wired the same. Because we got back. So rewind just a bit. I had this, like, really intensely serious relationship before Zach in mm. high school with <laughs> my show choir dance <laughs> Your show. If you didn't my hear that. show choir dance partner. Oh my gosh! Did you guys have coordinating outfits? And I mean, moves? We, we could have. Yes. Oh my gosh! That that, is... that ended. It was very painful. That's not what this episode was about. <laughs> <laughs> and so I had a rule that I'm not dating anyone the rest of high school okay. because I am brokenhearted. I'm devastated. I still have to show up and dance with this guy like for a whole year. I we sang a ballad where we had to hold hands about love. It was a whole mess, a whole mess. Oh my god! I didn't know that the Fox TV hit Glee was based on you. It was based on my life. Oh my yes. gosh! Okay, okay, it's all making sense now. Yes, all, all makes sense. So I was like, never dating, done with this love thing. And then I met Zach, and it was this mm. whole thing. But then I was panicking on the bus ride after the gas station hand holding. I was like, no, 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 I'm not supposed to date anyone. Mm. So when we got back to church, I got my luggage and I left. Mm. I did not say a word to him. Oh my god! And then I got in the car. My nana and papa are driving. Like, how is church? I was like, well, I met this guy, but then I just abandoned him. And my nana like turns around. She's like, what? What's wrong with you? Mm. So nana coming in for the win there. Yes. She was like, that's not right. Like, you need to find this guy if you liked him. Oh my goodness! And so through a series of aim messages, okay, because it was the early two thousands, yes. I did find him. And besides four days in college when we broke up, we've been together ever wow. since. Okay. Okay. Yes. So we've had equally 
like Nickelodeon <laughs> movie special experiences. Yes. yes. Um, but those are our own marriages. Mm-hmm. What were the models of marriage that you saw growing up and what did you learn from them? Mm-hmm. So it's funny. I don't feel like I had great examples mm-hmm. of marriage growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, so my mom died when I was very little. So mm-hmm. my dad was a single dad for a while. And then when he got remarried, I mean, it was like dysfunction junction. It was not great. <laughs> Every episode, I look for a particular phrase or a word. There it is. And <laughs> this marriage junction. episode, dysfunction junction. Yes. Thank you, Mindy. You're welcome. <laughs> but it was very much this culture of like, we have to be happy all the time. Like, we mm. don't tell the truth. Mm. We, you know, everything has to say just so. And so it was this very, like, stressful, tense example of marriage. Okay. Now, I did have my grandparents who had a very healthy marriage. Mm-hmm. And one thing that was so cool about them that I think has stuck with me is, you know, they had a traditional, I mean, they got married when they were 18, mm-hmm. back in the day. And he worked, she stayed home and had kids, you know, mm-hmm. all, the, all the stuff that you did back then. Mm-hmm. But every night at dinner, he would always do the dishes and clean mm-hmm. up. That was like his act of service to her. Mm-hmm. And I just remember, like that always stuck with me, that even though he was out of the house all day and he worked so hard, he always made sure to create that moment where she could just rest. Mm. Um, so I would say that they were the healthiest example for me. Gotcha. I think in some ways we're similar. My, my parents were married for 17 years, and then they got divorced when I was, I think, around seven or eight. And I think that one of the, one of the things that I'm grateful or lessons I've learned from their marriage was there were a lot of things that it just seemed were out of alignment between Mm -hmm. them in terms of expectations or roles. Uh, But one thing they were in clear alignment on was education and exposure. And it seemed like they spared no time or expense in order to offer us educational experiences that... um, that then became a value that I took into my own Mm -hmm. marriage and having children. And so I took that from them. And I think there are also some things that were dysfunction junction that I've not taken in Mm -hmm. to my relationship after seeing those things modeled. Um, And then similarly, my grandparents were married for 63 years before my grandfather passed away. My grandma was also 18. I don't know what it was. You're 18. Yeah, time to get married. <laughs> and um, I think that one of the things that I really admire about their relationship, which wasn't perfect, definitely had some rough edges to it. But when my grandfather was unwell and dying, my grandmother's devotion to him and his care and advocating for his care, um, that that will always kind of loom large in my mind in terms of what marriage looks like and that vow that's traditionally said mm-hmm. about in sickness and in health. And I remember hearing some of their petty arguments mm-hmm. <laughs> and then really watching all of that kind of go out of the window mm-hmm. when they needed one another. Um, 
So I'm grateful for models of healthy marriage, but even models of unhealthy marriage that helped me then inform the way I wanted my own marriage um, to look like. And something we talk about in our house a lot is that we are writing a different story. Mm. Um, I would actually, I would say Zach's parents have a very healthy marriage. So he mm-hmm. had a really good example of that. Okay. But since I didn't, um, we talk all the time about like, okay, we're not going to do it that way. Mm-hmm. We're going to write a different story. We're, mm-hmm. I mean, one thing he said to me just the other day was like, what you're saying is a false belief. Like, mm-hmm. let's find what's true here Mm -hmm. and I just think you know my own dad was like a yeller Mm -hmm. and I married someone who is just gentle I mean he's a gentle person Mm -hmm. and I feel really grateful that like that was a pattern that stopped Mm -hmm. with us Mm -hmm. that we've stopped a lot of these unhealthy patterns Mm -hmm. well I wonder then as you think about that you know what are what are those principles that guide your marriage that you would offer as people are either navigating marriage, thinking about marriage, maybe they're in a season where they too are married to Jesus and they're not accepting any applicants, but if someone comes along, what would be one or two things? Mm -hmm. I think that's a really good one that you get to write your own story. What would you add to that? Well, I think what's unique about my marriage is that since we met when we were 16 and 17, mm-hmm. and we're 30, oh, I'm 35 now. He was like, I'm 34. Let me tell you. <laughs> very, very insistent on that. Um, but we've just changed so much. Mm. I mean, the person I started dating, the person I married, is not the person I'm married to now. Mm-hmm. And I think he'd say the same thing. Mm-hmm. And that can, I think, be a recipe for just like wreckage, yeah. right? That can throw us off it can make us want to walk away. And so what we've really had to do is say, we're invested in the person that we're going to keep becoming, Mm. that we're going to be okay that Mm -hmm. you change how you view something or or how you behave. Like, Mm -hmm. we're in this for growing together, Mm -hmm. and that isn't a detriment to our marriage. Yeah. I also think we are so different. So, I, I mean we are just like the most opposite wired people Mm. and while that sometimes can cause some friction i think most of the time it really is a gift Mm -hmm. to the other like if we can make space to listen Mm -hmm. to the other person and ask questions we can really encourage each other and like push us out of those places we get stuck yeah Hmm. I i think for me one of the guiding principles is this, it's a little weird to say because a lot of people when they're describing their marriage partner will say that's my best friend mm. and I this may not apply to your marriage but I have found it to be freeing in mine um, Javon is my husband Javon is not my best friend mm. and in that space then I don't layer on top of him you need to be my co-financial advisor. You need to also be a parent. We need to get it on regularly. Then we need to do ministry together. Oh, and you've got to be my best friend. You have to fill an unfillable yeah. set of expectations. Yeah, and, and what I've noticed is that, especially, I mean, we both got married pretty young. Mm-hmm. I was turning 23. Yeah, I was um, 22, I think. Yeah, and... Um, I remember how 
easy it was to kind of get consumed in marriage because most of my friends were not getting married mm-hmm. and to not as you age I think it's easy it's harder to nurture your adult relationships mm-hmm. because unlike college where for four years everybody is between the same age span you don't really have a job and you just you're Hang literally out. yeah like it's it's easy for those things to happen organically but then all of a sudden once you leave college or grad school now you have to try mm-hmm. and you have to schedule to, mm-hmm. to actually invest in relationships and so I think one of the principles is that if I don't expect that Javon meet every emotional, physical, and spiritual need, which is which I think sometimes is what we mean when we say that person is our best friend, um, mm-hmm. then when they don't meet all of those needs, we question whether is our marriage good? Is mm-hmm. this no? It it may be that you are meeting many of those needs um, and it is good, but I don't have to expect you to do all of those things. And there are just some roles that he can't fulfill in my life. Like he is never going to enjoy um, watching curly hair videos on YouTube as much as I do. Like it's just, it's not. And my my sister Jenny and I are gonna keep saying them to each other. We fill that void in each other's life it is worth talking about and texting for hours about. He will listen for, oh, oh yeah, and that's the product. Okay, I don't, I can't continue this conversation. And so I guess I would think about something that I would share is think about the needs that are most important to you in your marriage and what's also most important to your partner and identifying those and also what are the needs that you have that will not be fulfilled by your partner, which is just not something that most people talk about. And I would not have talked about it. We went to a premarital counseling workshop at our seminary at Princeton. And I remember the facilitator standing up and just saying, you're sitting next to the person who is not going to fulfill all of your needs. Oh, I love it. And it's like, excuse me, you don't know us. (laughs) We are in love. (laughs) And we fulfill each other's every need. No. Right. You're, you're not. Mm-hmm. And part of it is because of what you said, because people grow and change and your needs grow and change. Mm-hmm. And so I, I just thought that was the most kind of shaping thing that I heard said about mm-hmm. marriage. And I wish I have always practiced it well. I have not um, because I, I have high expectations of everybody, but especially of Javon. And sometimes he will say to me, I can't do all of that. Like I no, like you need to you need to bring this down to earth reality. You're operating. I don't know where you're operating. So that's what I would share as just a principle that your partner can meet some needs, but not all of them. And some yes. of those needs you have to meet for yourself. Right. And I think you have to let them off the hook. Yeah. I mean, for me, you know, being a pastor. I feel like in some ways we're a little unique that my spouse is not in ministry. Mm-hmm. And, you know, having to say, okay, I can't expect you to be all those things you name and like my co-pastor in ministry because it's yeah. not who he is. That's not mm-hmm. what he wants to do. Mm-hmm. But I have to figure out how to appreciate the ways he supports me that are not like us, you know, preaching together. Or, right. I mean, I remember 
this will help her for this podcast. <laughs> um, I remember when we did the marriage retreat mm-hmm. and you and Javon led it preaching. I had a moment where I was really like jealous of that mm. because I thought, oh, my husband and I will never do that. Mm-hmm. We just won't. That is not how Zach is wired. Those are not his gifts. That is not his desire yeah. <laughs> to stand in front of people. And I had to realize, you know, the gifts that he brings just look different than the gifts maybe I've been told mm-hmm. I should be partnered with in the role I have. Mm-hmm. And so I think, too, like some of our expectations come from internal, mm-hmm. but they also come from the voices around us. Absolutely. I mean, when I was in seminary, we would meet people, and they would look at Zach first, even though the seminary affirmed women, and say, what are you studying? And he's like, I'm working. I'm, <laughs> I'm financing this. <laughs> like, barely. <laughs> and, you know, it was just so... It just confused people all the time. Mm. And one of the first questions I get when I meet people is, is your husband in ministry too? Mm. Yes. Mm. And so it, I think for us, we've just had to figure out like the way we're configured might not meet expectations, but it is really good. Mm-hmm. Like it is the best thing ever for me that I am married to someone who's like, you take all this so, so seriously, please take a deep breath. <laughs> like, I need that. Yeah. But but maybe that's not, like, what I've always been told that but I need. I think you, you bring up just another principle that your marriage is your marriage. Yes. And that's one of the, I think, hardest lessons mm-hmm. for us to learn, for the people around us to learn who offer solicited and unsolicited advice. And I think maybe another thought that that we bring in is I think that we marry our partner. And I don't remember which TED Talk psychologist Mm -hmm. said this, but we also marry their trauma and their family systems. And I think that we sometimes think when we're marrying into that family, we're just thinking about the Christmas we're going to have to negotiate and all of those things on the surface. Mm -hmm. But there are certain kind of family rhythms and expectations that we have to also recognize we are partnering ourselves with. And we may have to redefine and renegotiate. Mm -hmm. But that was surprising to me. And some of them are unspoken. I mean, I'm thinking about (laughs) in my house, when my parents divorced, I grew up in this kind of old house that I think it was built maybe the maybe the 20s or earlier, but there was still an old school radiator like in every room. And so when in like the winter when my dad would turn it up, it was like this knocking sound. And I was like, okay, we're all going to die. <laughs> and yeah. I would like knock on his door in the middle of the night like, dad, can I come in your room and sleep with you? And my dad was like a super kind of traditional um pats you on the head dad not like we're gonna cuddle up at Mm -hmm. night because you're scared and so he would be like um why don't you just lock your door no one will be able to get in there (laughs) very logical response and i was like you are right (laughs) i just was like quick and i took like to this day like at night i closed my door and javon and i he when we first got married he was a night owl And I woke up super early. And so he would come upstairs and see the door closed and be like, why why did you close the door on me? It's like, because it's nighttime. Like, I've got to be able to go to sleep. And I can't psychologically go to sleep. If the door's open. If the door's open. 
And so for him, it's like this really big deal that doors are always open. And I'm like, that does not work in the way my body heat is set up and with all these children. Like, I, there's got to be a closed door and appropriateness. And so I've had to tell him, like, I'm not rejecting you. But sometimes I have to close my door. And when I'm changing my clothes because your children have no boundaries, I actually have to lock the door. And it's not about... It's not about you right. or your family system. And in vice, like there are mm-hmm. other stuff that I bring that I'm reading through the filter of my family system that have nothing to do with his actual actions. Yeah, we actually just had that come up the other day mm-hmm. in my, so I didn't realize like my family always went, once I moved in with my grandparents and mm-hmm. things were a little more settled, we always went on vacation mm-hmm. in the summer. A week long mm-hmm. vacation, we always drove, but like we got out of here. And Zach's family, like, vacation was a really special occasion. And so what we had to talk about, he's like, you have this expectation that every time there's a break, you are going on a vacation. Mm. He's like, and that is not my expectation. Mm -hmm. And maybe I could learn to chill out a little bit Mm -hmm. about this. And, And it's just been interesting to sort of unpack that and... Well, if we don't take the kids on vacation, they're going to be so disappointed. He's like, no, they're not. Mm-hmm. If they hang out at the house for a week, they're going to be fine. Because mm-hmm. that's what we did growing up, and everyone is fine. <laughs> and and so it is that, like, what do we think our family will be like? What do we right. think, like, quality time looks like? Yeah. It's the, the stuff we bring into the marriage that's not labeled, that we only discover as we continue a partnership mm-hmm. with each other. And that, I mean, that makes me think about maybe some of the myths that, um, I don't know about you, but there were people that offered advice or things to think about as I went into marriage, and I have just learned them to be untrue. And we've talked about some of those things, but is there one in particular that sticks out for you? Oh, I think the least true one for me is that, like, never go to bed angry thing. Mm. Because I can be just so, wep- I can weaponize my words. Mm-hmm. So there are some words I actually need to not say, mm-hmm. and I need to go to bed, and then we need to have this conversation in the morning. Gotcha. We have a pretty, actually, low-conflict marriage, mm-hmm. but when there is conflict, like, I do not need to share everything that is in my heart. <laughs> it is not helpful for us. So I think that that's just a really, I think that's a myth. But mm. some, sometimes you don't need to say everything that that's you want a, to that say. That is a good one. I definitely heard that going in um I think one of the things that I had to kind of myth bust through um is because we are both in ministry I think that people had layered expectations of what our home faith life would look like and I remember emphatically yeah I remember like even when we have people over um our family members will often look to Javon to pray or to do kind of I would say those displays of pastoriness mm-hmm. um and I think when I I have other um clergy couple friends and I remember one of my clergy couple friends uh said you know and and in their partnership, um, the woman is a senior pastor. 
and the uh, partner is not. And she talked about how she would defer all of like the spiritual leadership in the home because he needed to have a space where he was like the leader calling Mm. the shots. And I just, no, that doesn't work for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I've thought of that, that thought has come back up for me um, as I go into this new role because some people have asked me, well, what does Javon think about that? And I'm like, well, I imagine he might think what I thought when he was serving as a senior pastor, which is, how can I help? Um, which it's interesting that no one asked that question of no. me because it was assumed that I would be kind of this dutiful and supportive partner, but that it's different when a male partner provides that same kind of helping support. Yes. Um, and that's what we see a lot in our marriage, too. I mean, mm-hmm. I would say, Zach, you know, he may not be, we may not be a clergy couple, but mm-hmm. he supports in just the most incredible and helpful ways. Mm-hmm. But I still get questions. Like I was at something at night once and someone said, oh, is your husband babysitting the kids? I'm like, no, he's parenting. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> like there is kids too. <laughs> but it's just like that assumption that, oh, you're not with them. So mm. how is the family getting along? I'm like, honestly, they're fine. Zach is like a really good parent. Yeah. Or I remember one Sunday, I think I've actually talked about oh, this. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Someone asked our kids, like, what is mom making for supper? And they were like, we don't know because she never cooks. Like, what is she making? 